Yesterday, I ate a whole bucket of long-deceased crab. Now y'all know I like to dive right into a slop bucket, putrid or otherwise, but something about these weird ocean spiders got me feeling nasty. But not Wolf the Dog nasty. Just regular diarrhea nasty. But... What does not make me feel nasty is broadcasting live from 694.2 PTBP, the only radio station that is also in the past and the present and the future at all times, but also sometimes none of them. This week's Howlin' with Wolf is from Daisy. If you want to ride up something for your Wolfie to howl, tag the show at Pretending Pod on Instagram or Twitter, or write up a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and email us at pretendingpod at gmail.com. That way you can be like Daisy here. They write, Hello to everyone in contention and beyond. Thanks to the weird time stuff going on in contention, Texas has gotten a signal to y'all's best and only radio station, 694.2 PTBP. I've been listening for a month, or has it only been a few days? Contention is so weird with its time. <laughs> Well, I would just like to take this time to say thank you to Wolf the Dog, his producer, and all the people who make this radio segment possible. Sincerely, Daisy, sending all the love and trash in Texas. Well, damn, thanks, Daisy. Well, uh, you can keep the love, but I will gladly take your trash offering with glee. Also remember, we've got a new project for our citizens of contention over on the subreddit. We are going to write a Delta Green scenario as a community. Over the next few months, we'll be having prompted writing contests to find the best meaty chunks y'all can muster. We'll use each round's winner to inform the next prompt until we have enough juicy morsels to make ourselves a narrative feast. To get in on this tub of greasy love, head on down to reddit.com slash pretending to be people. The deadline for submissions here in round one is August 22nd. Show us what you've got and vote for your favorites to help us choose the winners. Hey lovers, did you enjoy that bonus episode we released a couple weeks ago? The one where the boys played Lover in the Ice, the infamously mad fucked up Delta Green scenario written by Caleb Stokes? Well, that was just part one of a three-part series. You can find parts two and three over at patreon.com slash pretending pod. There's a link in the show notes. As you become a Splashylvania Fast Pass holder, you'll have access to our entire playthrough of Lover in the Ice, as well as ten other bonus episodes. Wherein we play everyone as John, the end of the world, Magnum Vice, Fury Force, more Delta Green, and Call of Cthulhu's original scenario, The Haunting. You can also also listen to the Session Zero for Season 1, during which the boys create the town of contention and discuss character ideas. And, uh, next up on the Patreon docket, some fucking human named Justin is running Roll for Shoes in the Den of Sin, August 29th at 7pm Central Time. Again, hit that link in the damn show notes, why don't ya? Speaking of notes, mine here in front of me are all dusty, but I'm pretty 
sure they say it's time for the news. Last time we learned a little about all the good Silas and Mary Cole are doing as the head honchos here in contention in 1880-something. And then we met four fresh faces of four fine folks whose lives are about to be turned completely upside down. Everett Pace, a wily old coot, was lurking around his homestead when he heard a noise out by his late wife's grave. Hollering, he ran off the missing Miss Kitty, who was digging with her hands over the burial site while mumbling to herself. Jack Perlman, oh, after overhearing some folks at the saloon spilling tea about Silas having a teenage girl out on the property of the new mine, trotted home to find one of his steeds on the edge of the river sticks, while a slight humanoid figure bolted toward the tree line like a wild animal. Professor Horace Green tried to get some shut-eye, but the drunken miner's conversation next door bled through the walls like lace. He couldn't help but overhear the slurring about the missing gambler being last seen having a bit of a shouting match with Silas Cole. After finding something unusual down in the mine which he referred to as living oil, and finally, Judge Ephraim Cortland, after finally spilling out into the world, recalled a peculiar statement made by a recent inmate wherein the madman claimed Mary Cole to be inhuman. Judge Cortland then headed to the courthouse, which had been stripped of its copper wire in the night, leaving the building without electricity to the judge's bewilderment. Tardily, he loped to the church for the town hall meeting about the recent disappearances. But staying right here forever is my ungodly ability to keep bringing the heat week after week until you're weak from these sweet, sweet elite beats. It's the Creek Rocks with Can't You Hear Them Wolves Howling? Justin, what do you think you would do for money if you existed before 1900? Oh, before 1900? Yeah, like roughly in the 1880s, some things. Shit. Shovel up shit, I guess. That's (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Because I'd be worthless. Oh, I don't know. I'm a big dude. I guess I'd be like some kind of manual laborer or something. Yeah, we would be in charge. Oh, yeah, I'm strong. So I'd beat people into submission. You like could Luke. do like bare knuckle <laughs> boxing. Yeah, we'd box. I would be the foreman and Luke would be the person I am no, mean I to all the time. I would be the boss because I can't do manual labor. 
Is that how that works immediately? <laughs> yeah. no, I'd be a grifter for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Just like flouting from town to town, changing your name. Quick, yeah. what's your name? John <laughs> Jacob Jingleheimer <Wow>. Schmidt. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What is it now, though? That guy's like, holy shit. Casey that Musgraves. Name is my name, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice to meet you, Casey. Luke Shelton here. Nice to meet you. Ooh, no. I, I changed my, can I change my answer? I can't, can I? It's too late. To Lady A? Never mind. Go on. Go on. <laughs> Terrible name. <laughs> Joe, what would you do before 1900? Would you be a bar? Oh, could you be a barber? No, I don't know how to Why cut not? hair. I mean, I could. I sure. don't know how I'll to be how a to- foreman, but I'm going to. It's the 1900s, dog. There's no rules. <laughs> it's the 1800s. <laughs> the 1800s. <laughs> I could learn how to cut hair. I was going to say, uh, I mean, like a bartender or like a... Well, the three of us would literally be giants. Because we're t- tall? They weren't. They were short back then. Yeah, they were. They were like four foot tall back then. <laughs> Hobbits. I'm almost positive. When was football invented? Would we all just be on a football team and like decimate everyone in our paths? Like Ooh, can Clooney? I change my answer? I want to play baseball in the late 1800s. I'll teach him oh, how to play. If it's, nice. Or, was it 1870? Gonna something? teach him how to play baseball. <laughs> and it's called Joe Ball. <laughs> yep, Joe. <laughs> After Joe Mama. <laughs> Are you a first Josman or a second Josman? Or do you play third third Joe? I'm a Joe Home, home Joe. <laughs> home Josman. Uh if you if like you were sent back now to like eighteen eighty, what could you in- actually invent and like Oh, like everything. Oh, nothing. Nothing for sure. <laughs> I was looking up recliners. Recliners did not exist in the 1880s, so I think I could invent a recliner. You could probably figure that out. I would just do all sorts of music. I would, for some reason, the first song on my mind is uh, Higher by Creed. I think they would love that. <laughs> you know what I think would legitimately probably go over pretty well is um, like any stomping music, like Little Lion Man. By Stomp? No, like what? <laughs> What's who does Little Lion Man? <laughs> the trash can fellas? No. Oh, you're talking about Mumford and Sons. Yeah, stomp, stomping music. They British folk. Stomping, all stomping music. Yeah, they stomp their feet along with all the songs. They didn't have a drummer, Thomas. The lead singer <laughs> just had a kick drum, and that's it. Is that and a true stomp. story? Is that part of their origin story? Who did that song, the Ho Hey song? With stomping and clapping. The ho hey? Yeah, what is that song? Or what is that band? You know, like, hey! They do that a lot throughout the song. Uh, isn't that Mumford and Mumford Sons? Mumford and Sons? Lumineers. I don't think it is. Oh, I think that's right. Mumford and Sons. The Lumineers. The Lumineers. Yeah. Yeah. I was a freshman in college in 2010. I remember this time very I, well. I had the Lumineers album on my iPod for sure. Hell yeah, dude. Cool. iPod Touch? Uh, no. iPod, the big one that hold, held the most. I don't know. With the big roundy? The, with the big roundy, yeah. Could it play videos <laughs> that were real tiny? Like pornography. I didn't have any videos. I did just you put it. any? Did you put any dirty, <laughs> dirty films on your, eye, no your big iPod? <laughs> I had explicit music on there. When um, were you guys allowed to um, listen um, to explicit um, music? Never. I was never like was not. All, yeah, exactly. To. Did you have to hide it? I just like no. wouldn't. No. By the time that was a problem, I was just downloading everything I wanted. Yeah. So. Mm. I listened to a lot of classic rock until LimeWire, and then that's when I got all my stuff. Mm. Yeah. My parents bought me uh, the Coolio album that had uh, Gangster's Paradise on it on cassette. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and 
we were listening yeah. to it and it's it's one of those rap albums that has a lot of skits and they cuss up a storm in the skits and i do remember my mom my mom saying something like i wish we would have just gotten the soundtrack to dead man walking which is where that song is from <laughs> instead of this whole coolio album <laughs> holy shit that's so good i had a three cd disc changer nice and i specifically remember at one point in time it had mercy me uh, which was the Christian band who did I Can Only Imagine. Oh, wow. It had that album. It had Linkin Park reanimation <laughs> remix. And it had The Bends by Radiohead. Ooh, good so, mix. Interesting. That's a, that's a, interesting. Yeah, that's yeah, a mix. Say. Eclectic. What year do you think that would have been? 2004. 2004. Mine would have been just like classic rock. Oh, you're one of those people. Yeah. <laughs> In 2004, for sure. Like mine would have been, I think I was still, that would have been like the tail end of my Zeppelin phase. I would have been like Led Zeppelin, mm. ACDC, and I don't know, just a, one that changes, you know. My dad's <laughs> a big like John Denver fan, so I didn't get into classic rock until School of Rock came out. Mm. Nice. I was in a, the only good music is weird, heady, underground rap that I no longer listen to. Because it's not always the most fun thing to listen to, <laughs> like, like Eminem, like border, no, like borderline <laughs> fucking like spoken word sometimes, just like like late Jay Z, what's that? Late or, yeah. or like Tupac? Are you going really underground? <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! Oh, Joe, oh, oh, I didn't good. mean it that way. I didn't mean it that way. Well, I was trying to think of that a, way. another big rapper. <laughs> well, he is alive. I don't know. If yeah. You know that. yeah, Joe couldn't have meant it that way because he has sheltered Tupac for like a few months in his loft. He's like, I know Tupac's not dead. That's why we're not allowed over there. We try and bang the door down, and Joe like started hammering up barricades over his. <laughs> Quick, Tupac, Tupac ride. <laughs> What's he saying? Does he have an ET in there? <laughs> Joe, you got ET in there? Is that ET? Joe's like, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely not. It's an ET. It's Late. an ET. It's not anything else. <laughs> it's not Mr. Shakur. Oh, my God. <laughs> It's Biggie. Fine. It's Biggie. <laughs> it's three pack. <laughs> We're going to have to cut all this. I'm sorry. <laughs> ah, just those last two. All right. So we <laughs> really ramped ourselves up for the old West mood here. <laughs> <laughs> so today is the day that is taking place currently. So this will be the day after Everett's interesting evening, after Horace Green's attempt at sleep, and after Jack Perlman's <gasps> night of fun. So Judge Ephraim Cortland's day that we dove into. Who's going to be at the town hall meeting on time? Not me. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I would either. I think Everett would be there on time. With the night that he had. Was it mandatory? Oh, right. The disappearances. Yeah. Uh, Horace goes. I'll, I'll be there, but not on time. For sure. Okay. Rough night. Sorry. I'm still thinking about how Joe harbored Tupac from, you know, the Illuminati or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> 
or whatever. <laughs> Myriad. There it is. Uh, Luke and Justin, take your headphones off. Okie dokie. Oh my God, are you drinking a Coke, like a straight Coke? Yeah, it's Coke Zero. Nice, no calories. <laughs> Dr. Pepper 10. It's only for men. That was so fucking weird. That was a, te- <laughs> a terrible, terrible marketing campaign. Thank God it backfired. Like no joke. Am I? Am I headphones off? No, keep them on, oh, okay. please. Okay, bye bye. The dusty church's pews are full, and the air is thick on this humid summer day. Sweat is dripping down the skin of all in attendance, and the smell in here? Foul. Thankfully, this is a lunch meeting, so the sun isn't shining directly through the windows, but the shade just lends itself to the wetness of the air. Bobby Custard takes his place at the pulpit and begins speaking before the unruly crowd simmers down. Alrighty there, folks, settle down, settle down. As you all well know, we're here today to discuss the recent happenings regarding the disappearances of all them saloon folk. First off, does anyone have any information here to bring forward? Everett, uh, from the back, he's, he's still kind of tottering his way in, and uh, he hears the tail end of that. Yeah, I, I reckon I, I I could shed some light on something that's going on. I I, I got some informations. Oh, Mister Pace, yes, of course. Uh, round last night, I reckon moon was high up there. It must it must have been two in the morning or something. There was a ruckus out there by the the tree line, and I, I there's something there there's something that means a lot to me out there. It's it's uh it's where I it's where I buried my wife. There's a gasp through the crowd. Everyone's. <gasps> There was somebody up there digging, and I, it 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 bothered me. I, I I walked up on, and it was it was Miss Kitty, and I was I was trying to tell her that There's they another were another gasp through the crowd. <gasps> I was trying to tell her that they were looking for her, and then she she looked at me, and then she just took off running in the woods. I hollered after her, but you know I can't keep up with anybody these days, and I don't I don't I don't know what happened after that. Y'all have a good day. And he starts walking out. Uh, no, no, no. Hey there, uh, Mr. Mr. Pace, please, please stay. If, they, if, if they, you, you clearly have some sort of information. And as Bobby is trying to, trying to keep you in here, you see Thorough Sexton, who you know <laughs> as the <laughs> as the night watch at the cemetery, stands up, hat in hand. Um, I, Everett. I thought I was crazy, but the fact that you said that makes me feel okay saying this here now today here in front of everyone and God. Last night, I scared off that Miss Kitty from digging up bodies in their old cemetery. And when she ran off, I swear to God, I mean... Sorry, Preach. I I promise. I Bible swear. I swear. I don't know. I, I, I'm telling truths. She had three corpses on her back as she ran off with them heading down south. M- Miss Kitty's a grave robber? Is that what you're trying to... I don't know why she was going f- for so many bodies, but... She clearly needed more than three and must have headed down to 
to your property there, sir. I'm deeply sorry. Thank goodness she didn't she didn't get down in that hole deep enough. I, I was able to put some earth right back on there. She didn't get deep enough. You must you got her. I would have never expected Miss Kitty. I, was she on hard times or something? I think she's been gone. She she always had the money to live her life. I often will go to the and then he looks down and you see his wife looking back up at him with huge eyes and he's like I mean I she I don't know oh. <laughs> my goodness I did not expect this much information <laughs> to come out so soon like much appreciated from the both of you speaking up like this Jack, what horse are you riding on your way in? Same old, same old, Jeremiah. So these two fucking gorgeous steeds are taking these two men of very opposing, distinctive features toward the church house at the exact same time. And Jack Perlman and Judge Ephraim Cortland arrive almost simultaneously. I kind of look over Ephraim. Kind of nod to him. <coughs> God damn it. Ephraim gets off his horse and just looks at him and starts walking towards the, the meeting. I, yeah, I like tie up my... Do you tie up a horse? We'll say yeah. You tie, yeah, I tie yeah, up dude. my horse. You got to tie up that horse. Otherwise, any old random groundhogs can come up and they're scaring off around there and then take off without a horse around. around exactly the, the words I right. would have also used. Same. <laughs> and I give Jeremiah a good little pet and head on in following the nasty man (laughs) spits on the ground the doors bust wide open to the church and you see the towering six foot ten three hundred pound of disgusting flesh falling from itself presence of judge Ephraim Cortland spit on the ground as he walks in to the church with Jack Perlman, <gasps> a much different, hotter figure following <laughs> right behind. This man is sexy. <laughs> All the men and women in the audience, the congregation, the town congregation, we're in a church, it's not a service, whatever. <laughs> they all become green with the sight of Judge Cortland, and then immediately blood rushes to certain spots and especially cheeks when Jack Perlman walks into the church. Okay, so you're saying you're saying that we got oh, Miss Kitty what's just laying around here. Oh, hello there, Judge. Um, I was just asking to see if there's anyone who had any sort of information to bring forward about the disappearances recently of the Salinas. My oh. copper wire got stolen. Can't turn the lights on. That's why I'm here. And the judge is just standing in the aisle, and everyone's just kind of looking at him. Uh, okay. Is that, I'm sure, do you want me as, like, sheriff, you want me to take care of that? Yeah. Get it. I can't turn my lights on. Okay, that'll be the first thing that we take care Better of be. after this. Yeah, no, after what this the re- What the hell else are you talking about here? That My secretary told me to come here because of my wires. 
thought that uh, was no, what sir, this meeting was about. We're having a about the disappearances currently. Yeah. And he sits down. There's like the pew. He just like scoots someone over and sits like right next to the aisle. <laughs> rhubarb, rhubarb. Jack Perlman, <gasps> I'm assuming, was kind of like with him upon entering. But whenever he started uh, mouthing off and yelling, he kind of just like scooted sideways kind of away to the the back of the the church to kind of listen and not be associated with him at all (laughs) yeah makes sense (laughs) professor horace green any uh just like what's running through your head Uh, horace green is just reading a book and that uh yes no we'll definitely take care of that sir as as soon as we're done here first thing that i look into for sure but we're talking about these disappearances and that is what we need to discuss now. We've got uh, sightings last night of Miss Kitty out and about. Grave robbing. Kitty was <clears throat> grave robbing. I-, I seen her with my own two eyes. Uh, yes, and, and, and I too, <laughs> says Thoreau Sexton, who is the night watch, the cemetery. <clears throat> what you ever, what you dig up? What you see her dig up? It was three old old bodies. I run her off before she could get anything of mine. Who was it? Who'd you dig up? Yeah. Who, who'd you get from the c- cemetery over there? It was uh, Sally Jensen, who as we all know, passed God, 30 years ago now. Mitzi Frankenship, who unfortunately left us 34 years ago. And Rebecca Feinstein Feinstein Rebecca Feinstein. <laughs> Steam. I can't pronounce it. It's a lot of consonants all in a row. It's S T E I N F P F I E M P Z F. I I don't know how to say that, but she died 37 years ago. She she taught me in school. I remember I had to spell her name. <laughs> it had every letter of the alphabet. So. <laughs> I'm sorry for your loss. I tried to get to her, but um, I'm a heavy sleeper. So, so Miss Kitty disappeared him or what? Uh, yes, seemingly so. Miss Kitty did come around and uh, and was taking bodies. She took three before she headed off. Three from the cemetery before she headed off up to the Pace Place. She must have dropped off them bodies somewhere along the way because she didn't have them when she came up to my place. What was she doing there? She's trying to dig up Claire's grave. Oh my God. Okay, let's go get her. Go Straight get her? Up. What? You know where she is? I figured you might. What are we even here for if you don't know where she is? Pardon pardon me, Judge, but what do you mean by let's? I mean, us. It doesn't really look like you're in much shape to get anybody, much less join a horse riding posse. Ephraim stands up and points his gun at at Horace. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm speaking as a biologist, sir. You see me ride my horse. You know I can ride around. <laughs> I, I don't believe I have seen that, sir. My mistake. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Let's go get her. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. 
<laughs> when Judge says shut the fuck up, you see that um, Bobby Custard just puts both of his hands in the air. Well, you guilty of. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Oh my god! Luke's gonna kill everyone. <laughs> he's he's gone There's mad. No mythos with power. monster. It's just, it's just Judge Luke. Ephraim Cortland. <laughs> it's the baddie. I'm not. I'm. Fuck. And I holster my gun, get my flask out take a drink of it, put it back, and just sit down. And the whole crowd goes, <sighs> and Jack Perlman <gasps> lets off of his pistol grip like he had. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> Professor Green starts nervously smoking a pipe. Totally okay. Completely okay. No one bats an eye. Everyone's down for it. They're, they enjoy the smell. This is like It's this. healthy for the nerves and invigorating for the lungs. Everett, this whole time, has seemed unaffected by the whole situation, is more confused than anything else. So, are we, you know where she is? Are we going to get her? Or what's going on? Does anyone know? Thorough is standing up again. Does anyone know where she is? Everett, where did you last see her? She is running off in the tree line up, up, up past behind my house. I mean, south. How long ago? <laughs> it, was, it was last night. I think it was about t- two in the morning. I just made that up, Zach. I don't know if that matters, the time. <laughs> no, it was three in the morning. <laughs> it was late at night. I didn't have my watch on me. Perhaps the judge would like to lead us uh, in searching for her trail out by her tree line. Everybody roll spot hidden. 62 on a 65. 41 on Hell a 45. Yeah. 76 on a 40 fail. I fail at 97 on a 45. I'm a dinosaur hunter. All I do is spot hidden bones. (laughs) That's my character. Joe and Justin, take your headphones off. (laughs) Professor Horace Green and Judge Ephraim Cortland around this time... You notice a man standing in one of the windows watching the proceedings take place. You recognize him immediately as Silas Cole. This man has made contention what it is today. He is the reason that the mine is profitable. He is the reason that there's electricity all throughout the entire town. He is the philanthropist making sure that children have education, him and his wife, Mary. He's five foot eight. He's got messy, dirty, blonde hair. He's crooked yellow teeth and bright green eyes that are sunken in, but they're also bulging a little bit. And he's just paying very close attention to everything happening from a back window of the church. Uh, I run outside to go talk to him. Uh, I'm going to come after him. Follow, see what the professor's up to. Do I have time to talk briefly in private before the judge can ooze his way forward? Yeah, let's do a little contest. Um, I believe there are some breakdowns in athletics in this game. And so... Oh, nope, there are not. I was completely wrong. How would you run fast in this game? Fast talk, but with your legs. 
pilot your own self. Jump. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like a video game where if you jump, pass it. All right, we'll just use dexterity. So roll a dexterity contest against each other. Fail, 49 and a 40. Fail, 73 on a 60. Okay, so you're both going to make it out at the same time. Stumbling over each other. <laughs> yeah. With Cortland leaving, there's a there's a breath of fresh air inside as as you both kind of literally outside. <laughs> yes, now that the smell of Judge Cortland has dissipated from his region. And you make it out there and you see that Silas Cole is this man, just these massive eyes. He's holding a ladder, and right next to him he has odd looking mechanical devices uh, with some sort of like wooden planks going off from a middle point on his body no 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 on the ground next to him he's got like three or four of these uh, devices essentially that have some sort of uh, motor in the middle and then these planks coming off from them and around his shoulder like a lasso he's got copper wiring Oh, well, Ephraim, we might have solved your problem. He's wearing huge pants. So he's wearing both suspenders and a belt. Well, a a chill runs down Thomas's spine. (laughs) As any beans getting in the mix can only mean trouble. No, no, no. This is Silas Cole. I know, but clearly... Uh, Mr. Cole, uh, as as you may know, I, I'm Professor Horace Green, and I I sometimes uh, uh, pay your men to to bring me any any fossils they might find in the mine. Uh, I'm concerned about um, about a, bo- a Why are you boy, concerned? Uh, uh, one of one of your employees, uh, uh, Thomas, um, a young man who who would bring me fossils. Uh, I haven't been able to find him. Uh, uh, today and he and he told me he had, he had found something quite special. Have you have you heard? Have you heard anything about Thomas? Did anything happen to him in the mine? Uh, no. He's completely avoiding eye contact with you. His eyes are bugged out, looking at the ground, kind of looking at your feet, and then he looks straight up at you and he's like, "No, I don't." Looks back down. I don't. Did you, I don't know what you're talking about? Did you create these these devices? Yeah. I'm something of a man of science myself. Could you could you explain the principle to me? It's spins. I'll show you if we go inside. But uh, did did you what did you uh, this Thomas fella? What do you know about him? Oh well, I know he was a gambler. Uh, I'm worried someone might have have hurt him for his gambling debts. Do you think that's why he's gone? Yeah. It could be, Mister Cole. Why do you think he's gone? Probably the same reason that you said just now. Indeed. In all candor, Mr. Cole, I had heard you were quarreling with Thomas the day before his disappearance. Interesting. What was that quarrel about? He was down, uh, he didn't <gasps> do his job right. And you see Ephraim's, like, just finished packing some chew into his lip, and he lights a hand-rolled cigarette. He walks over to Silas and just grabs the copper wire off his shoulder. Okay, so first off, I need psychology. psychology. Yeah, go ahead and roll psychology. Mm, woof. Should have put points into that. A 90 on a 10. <laughs> you got a lot of weird skills, though. A 43 on a 10. Um, yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't doing his job right. 
weird words. Uh, I'm glad he's working for you because he's not working for me now, obviously, because he's gone. Uh, and then Judge Ephraim grabs the copper wiring or goes to, and Silas Cole puts his opposite arm on the judge's shoulder and looks straight up into his eyes. And you see these wild, green, bulging eyes looking at you. Are you sure that you want to do that unless you're helping me? Because it seemed like maybe you're not helping me. Your lights... Your lights stopped working because it looks like you took my copper wire. I would do no such thing. If your lights aren't working there in the courthouse, then I can get that working for you. But these are for the church currently, so please either help me carry when them can inside you, okay, or release them. Okay, when can you get them. it to mine? I need it, like, now. I can't do any work in the dark. You're not there now, and so let's go inside the church first. Uh, Ephraim blows some smoke into his face, grabs the copper wire, and heads back into the church. Horace Green, um... Chews on his pipe a little bit and blows some smoke into the air and turns around and goes back into the church. And Silas Cole doesn't make a fucking move the entire time either one of those actions are taken. Let's bring the boys back. Cortland and Green, do you want to describe in order how you arrive back into the church? Ephraim walks into the church, uh, smoking a cigarette, uh, spits some chew spit on the ground, and he's got copper wire over his shoulder, and he just throws the copper wire onto the ground and just kind of stands there. Horace goes back to where he was sitting uh, and opens up his book again, but it, it doesn't really look like he's reading it now. Cole's here. And as soon as Cortland, Judge Cortland says, Cole's here, The doors bust open to the church and a skittish man looking at the ground in front of him, kind of seeing the copper wiring on the ground, immediately starts collecting it as he's pulling in these four odd contraptions you've never seen before. Some sort of motor in the middle and then wooden planks coming off from the sides. Silas Cole is five foot eight with messy, dirty blonde hair. He's got crooked yellow teeth and these bright green eyes that are sunken in, but also bulging at the same time. And he is wearing huge pants. He's got suspenders and a belt. <laughs> Holy shit. <clears throat> um, yeah, no, uh, yeah, I, I just, uh, uh, sorry, uh, preacher there, um, you're good, carry on. I'm just gonna uh, go ahead and hook these up for y'all. It's, it's pretty hot in here. And this is this is the new one, and kind of like holds a thumbs up. Do we do this yet? <laughs> you guys get this? <laughs> oh God, Zach, you really do need to watch Dark. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, you you, uh, you you found your wire? No, he's got. <clears throat> he said he didn't steal mine, but he's gonna help fix it. I hope, Silas. Where, you know where Kitty is, Miss Kitty? Silas Cole has already set up a ladder in the middle of the aisle and is all the way up and is hooking up the very first ceiling fan that's ever existed oh. here in the town of Contention. And he looks down at you and he's like, I don't, um, I don't know. 
who you're talking about. We're all here because of some missing people. Why didn't you come to the meeting? Maybe you know something about it. And he walks, Ephraim walks over to the ladder and puts a hand on it and kind of like menacingly looks up at Silas. I don't know anything about any missing people. I'm just here to to provide Mm -hmm. circulating air (laughs) for the entire townsfolk here of contention. Air's not good enough here? (laughs) Being right above you, the smell is not pleasant. Uh, You hear a little harumph from uh, Horace Green. Ephraim just keeps staring up at him. And he finishes putting in the first ceiling fan, comes back down the ladder. Are you, like, right at the base? Like, not to where he can't get down, but where I'll be, like, right next to him when he gets down. And then, yeah, he just looks you dead in the eyes with these wild, crazed green eyes and begins moving the ladder forward. He runs the wire through real quick and sets it up, and the first fan starts going, and everyone in this room feels relief from this hot, humid air for the first time. And as he begins setting up the second one, he looks down. I don't think that the disappearances need to be looked into. Personally, uh, good riddance. Contention is better off without those people. That's not for you to decide. That's literally my job. Well, uh, it kind of seems like we're here at a town hall meeting to figure out what the next best move is. Bobby Custard takes control once again and is like, well, yeah, no, that is about there. They're right. And, um, you know, with all this air flowing down, I, I feel like it's about time to take a vote. Oh, shit. That does feel pretty nice. Hey, when you fix up my lights, you need to put one of these in. Silas Cole looks at you. I can make that happen. We get to it then. So nobody's looking into these disappearances? I didn't even know about them till I showed up here. I'm more concerned with that, so. Mr. Cole, why don't you want us to look into these disappearances? Completely ignores you. And Mr. Cole. the crowd begins to continue to chatter and chatter and chatter until their voices rise up, meeting yours, and your voice is lost as you say, Mr. Cole. Jack walks up to Bobby Custard. <laughs> Is it Custer or Custer? Yep, Bobby Custard. And he walks up to him and he's like, you better get control of this crowd now if you want anything to be done. Hand on shoulder. I mean, I, I, I think... Looking up at Silas Cole, who's putting up the final ceiling fan in the church. I, I, I think we're good, probably. You're going to tell me one of us goes missing. A couple ceiling fans will do the trick. You don't want to look for us. As I say that, I'm gripping him ever so slightly more aggressively. Roll Intimidate. Uh, do not pass. Bobby just kind of like shirks off of you as Everett Pace approaches. Bobby, I, I, I don't know much about what's going on here, but if there's a grave robber on the loose, we're going to have to stop that. They'll just keep coming night after night, taking all the bodies. Horace is pushing his way up too. Sheriff, I... I overheard a miner last night um, saying that one of the disappeared had been arguing with Mr. Cole. No, I seem to think he's he's got an ulterior motive here. Don't just let these people disappear because he gave you some fans. 
Ephraim's looking up at the fans and then looks down and sees these three talking to Bobby and Waddle's over there. Now, I, I, it's not that I'm not doing anything because there's fans here. It's just that I'm not doing anything because people don't seem too upset except for maybe the three of you. And if, if we don't know where this person who clearly disappeared and then somehow came back, if we don't know where to go after her, then I don't know what you expect me to do. Well, it sounds to me like she's got something in the woods there. She had three bodies. She didn't have three bodies when I saw her. She dropped them off somewhere between here and there. We got to search around between here and there. And that's what Judge Cortland hears as he approaches. Oh, I forgot about this damn <clears throat> body. Uh, Sheriff, what are you planning on doing about, about that? Because, you know, you got to do your job so I can do mine. <sighs> He looks over all of your shoulders at Silas Cole. Uh, thanks, Mr. Cole. We certainly do appreciate it here. I, I slap him, like, with my walking stick in the shin when he does that. Now, I, sh- <laughs> now, I certainly don't want to step on any toes here of the man who essentially owns and runs this town, if you guys catch my drift. But if you happen to have plans aka mr pace going down to the woods trying to find a spot in between the two spots i'll certainly come with you if if you if you if you require my assistance but if we could keep it on the down low from mr colt clearly i think that would be the best course of action so maybe don't all stand around here all at the same time. I, I get it, yeah. Jack turns around and just starts walking out, puts his hat back on his head or whatever. Not all at once, but let's pretend like we're dissatisfied. <laughs> and after Jack's gone away like a little bit, then the professor turns around <laughs> too and he's like, he looks like he did not get what he wanted from the from the sheriff. No, I, I promise I'm doing my job. Y'all just need to, you know, calm down about the whole situation. Uh, uh, Ephraim looks at Everett and looks at Bobby. He's like, I don't see any reason to piss him off till I get one of them fans. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then I make a big show of spitting on Bobby's shoes and slowly turn around and walk off. Bobby looks directly at Everett Pace. He didn't have to. He didn't have to spit on my shoes like that. <laughs> Everett grabs the preacher by the shoulder and pulls him in real tight, close to his ear. We're going to find that grave robber. And if something happens to Clara's grave before we do, it's you that I'm blaming. And he starts walking away. Nice. Sick. (laughs) Fuck yeah. What a creepo. Woogity, woogity, woogity. Oh, I love Everett Pace. What a horrifying creature. You guys all made dope characters. Big fan horrified of what you're capable of. <laughs> as characters. Cur- curious as to the the uh, the thoughts. No, I think Everett is kind of on the surface right now. He's he's worried about his the grave on his property there and uh it, it, you know doesn't really know what's going on. He kind of removes himself from the town's affairs normally, so it's just that this ended up on his doorstep. Horace typically wouldn't care to get involved either, but he can't resist a conundrum. Cortland didn't expect to get wrapped into any of this. He just wanted his lights on and but he he really does love stringing up a, a criminal, so he gets excited at the thought of catching one. <laughs> Horrifying. <laughs> 
Jack Perlman <gasps> probably was uh, less invested before he got pissed off by Judge and Silas Cole kind of just being assholes. Which is funny because at first he was pissed off at the judge for being an, uh, a jerk to Silas Cole. And then he was way more pissed off at Silas Cole implying that they should do nothing. And it kind of lit a little fire underneath him as a citizen of contention. Under his little butt. Under his little hot buns. <laughs> Under his tight little butt. <laughs> um, so yeah, he, I think he would. he's definitely, he's a little on fire right now. Like he's like angry, but it's trying to, dire- oh, yeah. trying to direct it in a way to do something instead of just punching somebody. Maybe a change of pace for old Jack. Yeah. I love Everett Pace with all my heart. Yeah, and, uh, the voice is great. I think Jack Perlman and Everett Pace are going to get fanfic together. I can predict it already. <laughs> ship him? Ship him. Yeah. We're, We're both, him? you know, we both are living alone on our... Ooh, your, your couple's name could be Jace. Oh. Jeverett. <laughs> or Earlman. <laughs> Pervert? There it is. (laughs) Pervert. (laughs) Nailed it. Nice. As the crowd dissipates from the church and heads to their respective daily goings-ons, you see Silas Cole walking down south to the new mine uh, where they've set up shop after the one a little bit west of there has finished up, started a new dig site further south, And the four of you kind of reconvene with the sheriff, the preacher, Bobby Custard, and Professor Horace Green steps right up. So, Father Sheriff, when when do we go looking for for Miss Kitty? I mean, are are, are y'all free now? Yes. Since we have the daylight, it seems like if she's out there robbing graves, it seems like a scary time to maybe look for her now but you know by nightfall maybe we'll have a better sense of where she's heading and then we'll be able to catch her in the act if you will perhaps hopefully we see i i feel like the daylight is the less scary time to look for the grave robber and we would like to find her before she commits the act again you know ideally is that not what i said i don't think so okay you were very smart and i agree let's go so if we, if we, were we going to go look in the woods for her? Well, I tell you, my place is right there. The cemetery's right there. So let's go right there. And I point, I just like drew a line between the two and pointed to the middle. <laughs> well, if, if we're going to look for her now, I'm, I'm okay with that. Has been a while since I uh, left anything on Ruth and Cassie's graves. So he's going to softball it in there like that. It's my wife and daughter. Fresh graves, you say? (laughs) I ain't got no tracking skills, but I'll help. Maybe, maybe not. Who can say? Oh, oh, tracking skills. That's what we need. Anybody got any of those? (laughs) I know, but I can spot hidden things, and I can navigate, and I have a great understanding of the natural world. Ah, the natural world. That's something I know about, too. Yeah, me too. You know, perhaps we need to dig or excavate uh, 
to solve this grave robbing mystery. I Sheriff, now you must uh, surely be. I'm finding myself less and less knowledgeable about the natural <laughs> world and more and more knowledgeable about tracking. That's what I was hoping you'd say. <laughs> You you're a, you hunt quite a bit, don't you, Sheriff? You seem like you might join us on many an adventure here in the future. Of course, future. it's his job to guide lost souls through the wilderness. Yeah, we just decided that you're an expert tracker. And that nice Bingo. raccoon, that raccoon hat you're wearing, you must have got that from tracking and trapping it. <laughs> And he just pets it, and then he makes a purring sound for it. I hate that. Stop doing that. (laughs) I'll probably find an ending in there somewhere. (laughs) Hey, by the way, Sheriff, (laughs) Sheriff, you got any new people I need to on the docket? I mm, should look at. I didn't have time because the the lights were off. No, no, the episode's over. Okay. <laughs> stop it. Okay. Stop, stop role playing. I'm off the clock. Okay. <laughs> I'm a me- I said I'm method acting. We normally don't do outros. He, that, 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 this was episode 91 of Pretending to Be People. Oh, yes, yes. Y'all come back now, you hear?